welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algeman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. Today, I'm joined by Austin Dean. Austin is a graphic designer and animator from Iowa. A 2019 graduate of Buena Vista University, he has been a big part of Algman Data Leadership over the past year. Austin is responsible for the opening animation of this very podcast and many of the visual designs at our website and related materials. Austin, welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. So this is going to be a fun episode for me and, and hopefully for you as well. Um, because I wanted to take some time to talk to you about the work that you've done for Algman Data Leadership and some of the fun adventures we've had over the last year. But I also think you can provide a valuable perspective to our viewers and listeners uh, around what it's like to be in your early stages of, of a career, not only just with data being where it is, where the, the markets being where they are, but the fact that we're sitting here in the middle of a pandemic, all confined <laughs> to our homes. This has to be a truly strange environment to be one year out of undergrad and trying to figure out one's path forward in all of this. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? Tell us a little bit about some of those thoughts and we'll kind of just go from there and see, see where the conversation takes us. Yeah. Well, uh, like you said, I went to Buena Vista university where I majored in animation and minored in graphic design and theater. And they did not tell me about a pandemic and what to do with that. Right. So been kind of flying by the seat of my pants with that. They taught me so much there, but pandemic was not on the on the <laughs> curriculum. I'm pretty sure the business schools missed that one as well, so we mm -hmm. shouldn't blame them entirely for uh, not having you fully prepared for this. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's definitely been a very interesting time. I'm very thankful that a lot of the work that I've been doing has been remote, so I've been able to continue doing that work and getting more work during this time of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So that's good for me. And I, I do enjoy a lot of the remote work because it's very similar to what working in most of the design fields I've applied to would be like. It would be a lot of emails, calls, and just that general communication. It's just I get to do it in my pajamas, and that's a perk. <laughs> Maybe not the thing to lead with in the interviews, but it's uh, <laughs> definitely... Um, you know, there's a plus, but I think that it, it, it speaks to something that I think has been sorely lacking. Now you haven't had the kinds of years that I have in, in office environments and seen the kinds of, of, you know, very strange different office environments that exist out there, but there's gotta be something to be said for being what I call in the lab where you can just sit down and focus and get your head around a problem and find that answer. And, and it's, you know, it, a lot of times uh, when you're really doing something you love, it's like detective work. Like you, you're just, you're mm -hmm. trying to, to get it to speak to you. And, and I imagine that you have a good environment for doing that kind of work in your home as much as anywhere else you've, you've worked. Yeah, yeah. I've set up my own little office space. I had started trying, to, when I first started doing some remote things with internships and jobs, I had tried just kind of working in my bedroom, just trying to limit being outside, didn't want to impose on anyone's space in the household. But doing it in my bedroom was very hard to begin with, because it was like, I'd get up, I'd roll out of bed, I'd sit down in my chair, and I'd be at work. 
and it's like my bed is still warm and i am still groggy but it's like i gotta i gotta gotta make the gotta make money you know yeah but yeah setting up that space is definitely very important and that's been a very interesting change from university because we had a design space and we called it the design lab and it was gorgeous and I'd go in there and sit for hours doing work and all my projects, assignments, fun. And that was definitely my place to just hunker down. And like you said, like, like detective work, figuring it all out. But here I've been able to set up a similar space, which has been very helpful. Yeah. And I imagine that it, it, it detracts a little bit that you don't have a bunch of other creative designer types around you, but you also don't have a bunch of people interrupting you constantly <laughs> with random nonsense that you would often have in, a, in an office environment. So I, so I suppose that there's some, some give and take there. Um, the, what I'd like to understand is what motivated you to go into the design space originally? Like, what was it about design that motivated you? And my follow-up question to that, just so you're ready, is mm-hmm. why then work with a data person like me and, and Alvin data leadership and apply it in a, what I would call a, a pretty hardcore business pseudo technology type of, of area um, mm-hmm. after, after getting out of school. And I imagine that probably wasn't what led you uh, to go to design in the first place. Right. Well, you'd be surprised actually. Yeah. It was the first thing I wanted to do, <laughs> but uh, so going way, way back, uh, initially when like it was like middle school and they were first starting to really ask you a lot of like, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? My answer was always, I wanted to be a storyboard artist at Pixar. Mm. I love the storytelling, the visuals. I was like, I can draw, I can do that. I can do little rough sketches. And I did a lot of theater and still do a lot of theater. So it kind of just combined a lot of things I enjoyed doing. So I started kind of going along that path and learning what I'd want to study in to do that. And the big thing that kept coming up is you'd want to be going to school and getting like a graphic design or multimedia sort of degree. Mm. I was like, okay. Started looking at colleges. I went with University University, which was local, close enough to home, but far enough from home that I didn't know everyone. And so I started going there and we started doing the graphic design. And then in my sophomore year, they introduced an animation program. And so I was the guinea pig and loved it very much. And in going to plan on being like a storyboard artist, the classes I took before doing any collegiate level storyboarding were a lot of these design fundamentals. Mm. And I just fell in love with all of that to begin with and was loving the idea of combining that with the storyboards. And once we started doing more storyboards, it was fun. It was exactly what I knew it was and wanted to do, but the design and just doing the animation was so much more of what I enjoyed at that time. So I kind of deflected a little and just kind of narrowed my focus more into the design and storytelling of that. And I, I'm very thankful that I did that because I think that the graphic design going into learning about design from the idea of telling stories has been very helpful, lets you look at things from broader perspective, makes you think more about each choice that you make as a designer from the color, fonts, composition, everything conveying that story and that design language is a very important thing. And going into learning about design with that idea has helped a lot. 
and helps. Yeah. That was concise and informative. Right? Yeah, no, but it, it, I think that it's interesting because you've taken that and, and granted you evolved while you were in your studies, but now you, you know, you get out of school and like a lot of, uh, pardon the term kids that come out of college, um, you're trying to figure out how do you turn your passion into something that will get you dollars. Uh, and, and that you know, doesn't always line up perfectly. And, and one of the things uh, that has been so helpful for me in, in trying to build Algman Data Leadership, this kind of business that, I mean, you've seen evolve over the past year, whereas originally thought it was going to be more focused on consulting and doing things that I was familiar with from a functional point of view, and has really become much more of a data leadership advocacy organization, where it's really about helping to train and teach and, and those kinds of things, and helping to get that message across in ways that I couldn't personally do. And, and knowing that I really just didn't have the skill sets necessary to do the kinds of visual work that you do, um, and knowing that I didn't have it, it, it allowed me to do things by working with you that that I just could never get across. And and so, what has that been like? Because I, I imagine, even though you know you knew in the back of your head that this was your dream and you always wanted to do design work for a, a data oriented firm. <laughs> um, you know, you probably didn't do a whole lot of classwork is, you know, exactly like this while you were in school. Is, is that a fair assumption? Yeah, yeah. We did not have a whole bunch of data-driven uh, coursework. <laughs> so, but we did have a variety which did start laying the foundation for working with different types of businesses and clients. And that broad foundation has helped to build a lot of these different uh, relationships with people and with Alpha data leadership, especially. <laughs> yeah. Well, and your ability to tell stories and to get the point across. And, and I want to talk a little bit, and I guess now is as, as good a time as any to talk about what we did that I thought was such an ambitious and, you know, distinctive undertaking in creating an explainer video for our core, for Algman Data Leadership's kind of core consultative offering around the data value guidebook. Um, you know, that had a very, I had in my head a very cloudy but distinct somehow vision of what I was trying to say and the amount of kind of iteration we had to do from the storyboard stage to the animation stage to trying to tighten up the language to like you changing things and me changing things simultaneously <laughs> and trying to bring them back together. You know, is that how it normally goes? Was I uniquely difficult to, to like align to, or was this just something that we were trying to find something so precise in something that had just infinite options of, of ways we could take it. It just took time to get to it. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, we probably have for the, well, how long is that thing? An, an hour, a uh, minute 20. And yeah. we probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of like six to 10 hours worth of cut like <laughs> material from that. Like it's just staggering yeah. how much we trimmed and how often we mm -hmm. trimmed to get to a final product. But can you tell me a little bit about what that was like, um, doing something in a space you admittedly don't have a big background and you're not a data management professional, but you know, is this the kind of process that it normally is or were we trying to do something truly unique? 
I think that uh, with the way that we approached it and the way that we executed it, I believe that we did it the correct way. <laughs> and I think we got mm -hmm. the result we wanted because of the way we did it. There's a lot of each client, each project is different because you have some things mm -hmm. where it's like, yes, that's exactly what I want. And you have other things where it's like, that's not quite what I want. Let's do this, that, and the other. Right. And mm -hmm. this project was definitely a lot more of, like you said, you had like a clouded but precise image of what you wanted and finding what that was definitely took some time. And especially for me, not understanding uh, a lot of the concepts, especially to begin with, learning that as we went and trying to learn how to tell that story in both an interesting, effective, and factual way took a fair amount of time because there was a steep learning curve on both of our sides of learning how it's being shown and what it actually is. And we finally got to that point and it was very exciting to get there when we were both like right in there knowing what was happening and being able to talk about it both at roughly the same level. Yeah. Well, and I give us credit and, and for anybody uh, listening or watching, I will include a link to the explainer video in the show notes so you can, you can click on it and, and check it out. Um, but you know, to get to a point where it was just tight across the board and where we weren't compromising, because there were times where there was temptations where it's like, oh, that's good enough. And then we would come back to and be like, no, it's not good enough. We got to do this differently or what have you. Or it would be like, we really should make this part funny. And then that would make it completely change. And, you know, mm -hmm. it was it was a it was a slog, no doubt. But it was one that it was a, it kind of comes back to that first um, uh, comment I made. It's like we were detectives. We were just trying to extract the right thing from our brains and, and efforts. Like it, it was, it was, we were passengers on that journey as much as we were leading, you know, where that was going. And it, it's such a fascinating experience when you get into that creative mindset of just trying to get the right answer from a creative standpoint, you know it when you get there, but man, you could dance around it for a long time before it just clicks. And it, we had an ongoing mm -hmm. joke and this, I, I think will, <laughs> like every time Austin was like, I think you're really going to like this. It would be like way off. And he's like, and then there'd be times where it's like, ah, this isn't working or whatever. And it'd be just like dead on perfect. Or we'd make one tiny tweak and then it would, it would all come into place. But it just became mm -hmm. this running joke of every time you were really confident that I would always throw a monkey wrench at you. And I felt terrible mm -hmm. because it was, <laughs> but it was, it just, it was one of those things where we were just so committed to doing our best work that it was, it was awesome to have an artifact of it that will be there and that we can refer back to. It's something that you know, I know we're both we're both very proud of, and and so that's mm -hmm. been a it's been a really cool experience. And and you've done so much work from the animation sequences that we use on this podcast to a lot of the stuff that we've done on the website, the thumbnail designs and stuff that this podcast uses, and you did a lot of the con contributing icons and stuff for the book. Um, and so I mean you've been a huge part of what Algman Data Leadership has put forward. Um, and so it's been a it's been an awesome for me because it gives me a sounding board to say, okay, how do I take this, this concept, this complicated thing that I understand, how do I put it into terms that a person who doesn't have that background can understand? And that's, that's what you've given me too, is like your, your test bench for when I'm trying to distill the essence of a message. Can I get it to the point where you can draw it in a picture in, in mm -hmm. like an, an eight bit form? And that, that is really, um, you know, it's been very helpful as, as we've coalesced some ideas throughout the, the organization and 
and and how we've been bringing ideas to the website and and what have you and and so it's it's taught me a lot about how to uh create those kinds of messages myself even though i'll never have the visual abilities um i at least understand the process a lot better now so it's been it's been eye-opening there so on the flip side you've learned a few things about how data works right has, <laughs> has this been have you been like uh, awoken to the power of data in business is like this going to be your new focus area or is this something you're like i like this it's cool but i got other stuff to to think about <laughs> Uh, it's, it's definitely more of the latter, unfortunately. <laughs> it's, it's just, well, it's like there's over your head and then there's like a skyscraper and then it's over the skyscraper <laughs> every now and then it drops down lower, but it, it's definitely well beyond anything I could totally comprehend or do fully. And I, I absolutely understand and can see its value. It's just not something I could do. It's like the Olympics. I understand it. I understand the value of it, but I cannot do any of that. Yeah, I get that. I, I well, and and that's the thing. Like to me, it's it's something I'm passionate about, and and am willing to do that work to learn those things, and and have over decades now. But it's not for everybody, and and there's a good reason it's not for everybody because most people find it dreadfully boring, <laughs> and I don't get it. But that's what I'm told, so we'll leave that at that. But there's one other area that I want to talk to you for sure about. And this is this exercise that you've been doing all year. Uh, and that is every, well, I'll let you explain it, but it's basically a design a day exercise and the results. And, I, and I'll, um, maybe I'll, I'll include a couple links or we'll figure out a way to put a couple of, of the designs into the show notes as well. Um, because it's, it's really impressive what you're doing. So can you tell me about the origins of this and, and kind of what that process is, what, what the outputs are? Yeah. So this, uh, it started late uh, in 2019. I was watching uh, videos on YouTube, like you do. Hmm. And uh, I watched this one channel, uh, The Corridor Crew. They do visual effects and a bunch of other different things with uh, like visual effects mostly. And they had this guest one time who has been doing a daily design sort of thing every day for, I want to say, like, five or six years wow and they've been doing it in like uh cinema 4d and maya and just all these 3d programs and they've just been kind of just making a composition each day and they did a challenge in the video where they had an hour across all of them to make a composition and post it and they were like okay you have an hour to do it and it has to be posted within that hour and i just really enjoyed that and I enjoyed seeing their creative process, their struggles with computers crashing, files not saving, and the end results that they came out with, especially for some of them who had never, they had worked in the programs of previously, of course, but they had never done it on that tight of a timeline. Yeah. And it was just, it was really interesting. And I just, it stuck with me. I was thinking about for the next several days and I was like, you know, we're getting to 2020. 2020 is going to be like this big year, not knowing about anything that was going to be happening this year <laughs> back then. But knowing that it was going to be a big year, uh, at the time, I knew that my design stuff was, there was going to be design stuff to be doing, but it was going to be kind of on the slowdown a bit at the start of the year, especially. I was like, you know, I wonder if I could do this every day like this guy has been hmm. 
And so I kind of set this goal for myself to do a design each day for 2020. I've thought about doing it for longer, but at this point, I think 2020, once we get to the end, we'll see what's happening. <laughs> but it started out with that idea. And then we got to January 1st. I was thinking about it all throughout the day. Like, should I do it? Should I not do it? If I do it today, then I kind of should do it for the rest of the year. <laughs> Tossed it back and forth. And I was like, I'll give it a shot. I'll try. And so I was like, okay, I need a prompt to do. I don't want to just do a composition like the guy did in the video. I wanted to do a design, branding, logos, things like that. And so I did quick Google searches for prompt generators and I found sharpen.design and they had some wonderful prompts right out the gate for me to use. And so I was like, okay, I'll just kind of try it. I hit generate an idea and I got animate a logo reveal for a gym in Peru. And I was like, right. okay, I could do that. I'll look at some uh, reference images of architecture and art styles from the region. I'll get some colors from the area and I'll come up with like a fun name. And I ended up creating Peru Powerlift and had the animation being the bar, the powerlift bar go up and then down and reveal the logo and then once it goes down, an Aztec or a definitive line gets drawn underneath it. And I did that. And it took me a while to do because I was doing it on a very old laptop on not the best version of After Effects. And But I got it done. And it I swear I posted that one at like 11.50. It was late in the day, but I was like, I did it. I did it for the first day, so I guess I'm going to do it for the rest of the year. And I got a good response from that. And then I started by posting it just on my Facebook because I have an Instagram, but I don't really use it. And so I started posting it on Facebook. And daily, it was just so much fun to do. <laughs> and it was a very hard challenge to do, especially with work, among other things in life. But I was dedicated to doing it and the amount of work that I've done now, this is what the, I want to say this is 134 days into the year. So that's 134 designs for my portfolio, for practice, for fun. And it's broadened my portfolio a lot. And I'm very proud and happy with a lot of this work and the dedication I have put forth to doing it and the quality of the work as well. Cause you'd think that doing this in just 24 hours is it wouldn't necessarily be great, but a lot of these things I'm very happy with doing. And a lot of them would never have been done if I wasn't doing this, I would never have just gone out of my way to do a logo reveal for a gym in Peru for just giggles but yeah it's and so on the hundredth day i start posting to instagram just to kind of broaden it and now i get to stress myself out even more by having two post deadlines for two different accounts and it's stressful but fun and it took like i've done a design each day i've only missed the deadline like once by like minutes because it was taking forever to render out 
but that took 74 days to get to the point where I missed one. Well, and depending on time zones, you could you could yeah, find yeah. an asterisk there pretty easily. But <laughs> I mean, you're you're talking min, you know a couple minutes. But and we've we talked about this previously. As I love the the holding yourself to a time based deadline as well, because that's really how the the world works. Like you you have deadlines, and you know it's it's be easy to say oh you know put post it by 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. It's still, you know, I haven't slept yet. But then the nights grow longer and you get sloppy. And so to, to have it be that actual, you know, technical day and, and realize, okay, you know, one day, fine, it was a, a couple minutes late, but you had the work done, you know, that's okay. You can you can forgive yourself of that. But it's I think it teaches you so much. And, and for the people that haven't had the ability to see the the work that you've done, I mean, some of these things are are truly amazing designs and and things that people could spend weeks or months on and not improve upon. And so sometimes that that time deadline, that time crunch leads us to our our best work. And if you don't have that lingering over your head, you'll spin and, and, you know, just continue to tinker with something that doesn't need to be tinkered with. And that's, I think, an important lesson as well. But, yeah, I mean, some Mm -hmm. especially the ones when you do like neon signs and stuff like that, they (laughs) blow my mind. Because it's like, I don't even know how the technology works to do that. Like it's, you know, you know, as, as somebody who some of my work seems like magic to other people, like the, <laughs> most of your work seems like magic to me. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool to, to see that stuff come together. And, and I think that, you know, it can only do good things and it get, it does you know, make your portfolio sparkle that much more and shows the kind of potential that you have. And I think that, you know, it's through that kind of self-imposed rigor that, you know, it will help elevate you over your competitors as you continue to branch out and, and do other work in other businesses and, and things like that. Because as much as I've tried to at times, Augment Data Leadership just does not have uh, the the throughput of design needs to keep you employed <laughs> full time. And so, you know, you're going to continue to do work with other organizations and, and things like that. But I think, you know, what has... From your vantage point, because you know we this is a data leadership lessons podcast, and and you've had the opportunity to work uh, in the data space and learn a lot of this stuff, and I and I don't think you give yourself enough credit for how much you've picked <laughs> up over the last year, but it's um you know what do you think that the data space might benefit from knowing from your perspective on design, like where do you see things from a design perspective in in the data space where you're like ah it just it's it's grading you know like are there any areas like that or or where do you see the data world um needing to expand from from that design perspective a quote i like to think about a lot is i forget who said it but i think about the quote a lot not the person but that's okay (laughs) but the quote is that design is thinking made visual and i think that that is something that a lot of companies and a lot of different types of organizations could really benefit from because data and especially the data work that you do is very complicated and it's not immediately apparent what it is. Uh, So combining more of that design to make it more concise and clear and understandable in broad and specific senses is something that everyone can benefit from. Like, just making things consistent and clear is so helpful. Like associating the color red with driving with stopping Mm -hmm. is a very powerful thing that everyone understands. And it's immediately apparent as well as it can be, 
that that's what needs to happen. So conveying everything as simply and clearly as you can is very helpful, especially with the more complicated the topic is. That makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, I think it, it reminds me a lot of what we did with that explainer in that we had to find visual representations of things that aren't necessarily visual in their nature. And, and so mm-hmm. it, it was an, an interesting exercise. I think in, in, you know, somewhat, you know, it wasn't something that we had to do or that a client was saying we, we have to have this. It was, it was an idea that we had around a marketing uh, vehicle and, and trying to make what data leadership was about a little bit more accessible to people and, and, you know, funny and fun. You know, I think that's where, you know, you're right. Like we could, if we can find ways to create visual representations of the things that we're doing and, and try to make them fun. I think that that's a big deal when it comes to, you know, data is heavy and, and data is complex and all these systems and all of this stuff is, is not necessarily an easy slog under the best of circumstances. <laughs> and so if we can find ways to appeal to people and, and give them something that's a little bit more interesting and give them something that's, got a bit more story baked in, then it might be easier for them to understand and, and everybody will win. We'll get more interested parties. We'll be able to do more with data. You know, we'll be able to tell that story in a more compelling way. There's there's no downside to it other than the fact it's a lot of work. And that's where you know, I, my, my personal belief is even after going through the trauma, that was the explainer video. Like <laughs> we, we look back on it fondly now, but it's, mm-hmm. it wasn't easy. And yet we can go back and say, was it worth it? Oh yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. worth it. Because we were able to distill what this whole thing was about in ways that no amount of words would have been able to do by themselves. And, and that's really it's really key. And and I love, you know, looking at some of your, um, you know, daily designs as well. You're, you're able to embed things that take a minute sometimes to, to reveal themselves. And you realize, oh, wait, those are sunglasses in the name of the sunglasses <laughs> company, you know, and, and like it's 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 cool because that kind of delight is not a simple thing to pull off under really any circumstance. So, um, yeah, I applaud you for, for the way you can see those things and apply them in a business context. There's only so much you can get out of that, you know, educational experience. And so that brings me to my next question is, is so, you know, now that you've had some experience in working with me, hopefully that's been a reasonable facsimile of normal experience, um, in the business place, you know, mm-hmm. what would you tell the you of, two years ago or four or five years ago about you know, what can you do to prepare to be better off in the real world, quote unquote? I would like two years ago, I would probably tell myself to just keep practicing with the design tools and doing more, not necessarily the daily designs back then, but just continuing to learn more with the skills and tools that I was being taught because like the professors can only do so much for you. You have to do so much of that because they can get you the information on the tool, but you have to learn how to use the tool that's best for you in what you want to do. So I'd probably encourage myself to learn more about each tool earlier, just so I would know a bit more later on. But that would probably be the main thing I'd be wanting myself to do because there's a lot that can be done, but learning back then more about each tool would 
definitely be beneficial and encouraging a bit more to just keep going, keep doing what you want to do. Right. Yeah. So one of the things, um, you know, that, that is a challenge right now, we talked a little, a little bit about it early on is this notion of, you know, the, the pandemic and the, and we're all working remotely and we're, you know, all confused and, and like everything's different in businesses and, and all of that. How are you going about trying to connect with, um, you know, new opportunities and find more work and find more gigs? Cause I, I you know, you're doing work as a freelance, uh, graphic design and animation person. You're, you're working with Algma Data Leadership still. You're doing your daily designs. You, you're, you're hustling in a lot of different directions. How do you, how do you structure that? Or how, well, you know, what advice do you have for, for anybody listening that may be finding themselves in the same kind of boat? I'd say the best thing you can do right now is continue to look for these opportunities, not necessarily taking each and every one, learning about these opportunities and knowing your own limits as well is very important because you don't want to overwork yourself right now when there's so much stress daily from the pandemic and everything. But uh, yeah, I've with doing the daily designs, it has led to a couple different opportunities here and there to do various designs for various people. And a couple people have, I have worked with a couple people I haven't, and that's been totally fine and good. But knowing what you can do and knowing how to use that to get what you need is very important to continue to do, especially right now where you aren't necessarily interacting with as many people. And doing these daily designs as well has helped with that outreach because a lot of these people have come reached out to me to do work for them. So I haven't had to do a ton of hunting myself. The deer just come into my line of fire and are like, hello, can, can, can you assist me here? Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, but I think part of it comes back to like, you have a willingness to try new things. You're, you're continuing to produce, you know, content that's not ostensibly marketing and that people find value from just to understand what it is and, and, you know, see that it's, it's, you're doing these posts, you're, you're not doing it to market yourself. You're not just trying to say, Hey, all of my friends on Facebook, check out this <laughs> and hire me. You're doing it because it's an exercise for you and you post it as a way to hold yourself accountable and for people to see it and, and that stuff. Because I mean, I know a lot of people are like, these are really amazing designs or they're, you know, they enjoy seeing them even just on a personal level, but it's that personal mm -hmm. connection, that networking that leads us to new opportunities. And I think that, you know, it's fun to see you go through that process and to continue to challenge yourself and build your skills in a way that, you know, can help you in your career. And I think like, like I'm doing with this podcast, it's like, it's not really about trying to sell more work. It's really not about that. It's really about trying to say, how can I add something to the conversation? How can I add something to, even if it's something is adding, you know, it, simple as adding something to Facebook, that's not political vitriol. <laughs> I mean, you're, mm -hmm. you're, that may be enough. And, you know, for me, it's about saying, okay, how can I bring stories of people to other people? 
that may not have exposure to them otherwise. Like that's literally why I'm doing data leadership lessons. I mean, it's pretty clear at this point, I have a loose association with data and leadership in some of these episodes and I don't care. It's, it's, it's about saying, Hey, there's a lot of stories to be told and they all interact in weird, strange ways. You've been a huge part of Algman data leadership. And, and there's a lot of people out there that are using data in fascinating ways to do the things that they're doing. You talked about using a, a data service basically for these <laughs> prompts. That's part of data leadership. That's part of the data ecosystem. They have to come up with those prompts somewhere and they're doing it to to give people an opportunity to be creative. But they got a plug on this podcast. They don't know that this is happening. <laughs> like this is this is how it works. But it's inspiring to me. The more I get to talk to folks that are doing good work, not just to chase dollars, but because it's what they are called to do or they're on a mission to to do something that they love or to help people in a way that they can. To me, that's what it's all about. And that's where, you know, that's where I take the leadership centric approach to this whole thing of saying that's really what matters. You know, the data connections, I can find a data connection to anything. It's great because data is literally everywhere. So <laughs> not that hard. I stack the deck in my favor on that piece of it. But the leadership side is the thing that motivates. That's the thing that really matters. And and I think that the work that you've done in the design space, and, and you're in your early days of your career, and I can't wait to see where things go. All I know is that it's not going to be predictable, and it's going to be a wild ride, and you're going to look back on it and say, well, yeah, that makes sense. Like, that's that's <laughs> the bit about what it's going to be, right? And yeah. so I think that's... um. You know, it's it's fun to to be a part of that because I have an appreciation for things I cannot do myself. And that's one of those things where if I can bring folks like you onto this podcast and anybody out there who's listening that would like to be a part of this podcast at some point or thinks they may have an interesting story or an interesting, you know, take on what data leadership is. And remember, wide berth. We have a very <laughs> wide view of data leadership, clearly. Um you know, you know, reach out. Let me know because I want to have you on. I want to have that story and and connect it to others because it's fascinating to me. I love learning about these things, and I know the listeners and, and viewers do too. So, um, with that, we're coming up on time. Uh, was there anything else that we wanted to talk about today that we forgot? I think I've got most of mine checked off. Yeah, I think I think we covered all the bases that we really wanted to hit. Yeah. So Austin, I mean, I, I look forward to continuing to work with you. I know we've got a couple projects that we're working on already and, you know, a lot of fun stuff ahead and, and, you know, keep up with those, those daily designs. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you being on the podcast and, and, you know, sharing what you've been up to and, and where you are in your career with, with the folks that are listening. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been, I, I'm happy to be here. It's been fun. Great. So uh, thank you uh, for watching or listening today. You'll find links and more information about today's topic in the show notes. Uh, please remember to subscribe to our show on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Visit algman.com to learn more about Algman data leadership and the many ways we can help you become a data leader. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact.